Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm happy to welcome back I'm HIP's legislative consultant and good friend, John Lauder, to talk about the governor's recent budget address and what it means for the Medicaid program here in Illinois. John, welcome back, my friend. Thanks, Samantha. It's always good to be back. And I just love to pick your brain. You are an absolute budget genius. You you know have a lot of experience with state budgets. You've seen the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. Um, but can we just sort of level set and give a brief overview of the governor's recently proposed uh, nearly $50 billion state budget. And it focuses on everything from early childhood initiatives to education to reproductive health care and a massive, you know, system update for the Department of Public Health, among other priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, glad to. Um You know, Samantha, we've been around this business a long time, and, um, you know, I can say with all um, due honesty that the state of the Illinois budget right now is good, and uh, it's been a long time since we could even refer to to our budget situation as being in a good spot. Um, The current budget is almost $50 billion in GRF. It's... uh, Almost 120 billion in all funds, so it's a it's it's a massive budget uh, that has grown uh, very uh, rapidly over the last couple years, and uh, you know, and 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 is is one that I think we will um, does a lot of lot of good things uh, that that we've been waiting a long time to see happen. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of other needs, but uh, it's really um, it's it's really a budget that a budget and we're in a budget situation that we haven't that I have not seen in thirty years. Um, so you know, COVID was was a horrible situation. The public health emergency was a very difficult time for us to live through. But if there was one shiny or little sliver of light that came through it, um, it really uh, right setted the budget. And uh, you know, it was because um, government provided a lot of financial assistance uh, to almost everybody in the country, every business in the country. And we do what Americans do. We went out and we spent that money. And that created a lot of economic activity. And economic activity um, becomes tax revenue for the, for governments in the state. And, and the state had the benefit of that. It was horrible that it took something like this public health emergency to get there, uh, but it but it did. And as we look back and we we saw what the governor presented in his budget, it was a much different tone than what we have heard um, over the last decade, decade and a half. Um, instead of you know kind of focusing on fiscal restraint and how we had to dig ourselves out of debt, it was more focused on really some very good, strong accomplishments. And, and they're worth noting. Um, so, you know, over the last several years, we have absolutely have paid down $8 billion in bill backlog. Uh, that was, during the router administration, as high as $17 billion. So that's a significant 
significant accomplishment. We've been, we've been able to fully repay the $4.5 billion COVID loan we took from the federal government. We were able to pay off the nearly $1.4 billion unemployment insurance debt. We were able to bring group insurance, state group insurance down to a manageable level. That took nearly a billion dollars. Um, we had this lingering college Illinois debt out there uh, for years. That was almost a quarter of a billion dollars. And through all that payoff of debt, we've been able to build a $1. billion rainy day fund. And, you know, if you're a numbers geek like we are, if you look at the governor's budget, he is even proposing ending fiscal year 24 with a $1.6 billion end-of-year balance in GRF. Um, we're, we're making higher contributions to our pension systems that are than what are you know actually required by the law. And all of this has resulted in the first bond rating upgrades in 20 years. And I, again, I don't know if you caught it yesterday, but we actually, the state received an additional bond rating upgrade yesterday, which makes seven upgrades in the last two years, which is, you know, who, you know, five, six years ago, who would have been thinking that we would be talking about, you know, these types of positive effects on the only budget? Um, Absolutely. And, and that's a lot. I mean, you know, I don't know that I've seen group health insurance. And so for our listeners, that's the state employee health insurance fund. I don't know that in my time in Illinois, I've seen that adequately funded um, yeah. in a manageable way. I mean, it used to be back in my first year on staff working with you for you, John, that was my, <laughs> you know, one of my budgets with CMS and state group health. And it was in trouble all those years ago. And it just sort of has been there until recently. It, it, I don't know that we can underscore enough how monumental the progress has been um, and, and how hard it was when we were in those budget crises. It was, you know, it was personal. It was heartbreaking. Um, and so to be out of it and to almost feel like we can breathe as a state and we can really start to look at our system and make key investments, um, it, it it's really exciting. Um, it, it, it is. And, and you know, Sam, the, 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 we've seen this money coming in over the last couple of years and, you know, we were scratching our heads and we were, you know, they were trying to explain it. How are these state coffers, you know, what's growing these state coffers? Because it was more than just, you know, the, the federal, direct federal dollars that were coming in. It was our base revenues that were growing. And there was like, well, what do we do with it? And a lot of the budget makers, rightly so, they were afraid to kind of drive that into to program because what if it's, doesn't last what if it's fleeting and then what do you do so they they very wisely took those that large ease and they paid down these debts and it, i think it really showed um uh, a lot of forethought and a lot of restraint uh beings that the democrats you know controlled basically state government and saying we know how democrats are we they they, they like to spend money um but for a couple of years now they've been uh, they've been very uh, conservative with these extra funds. This year, 
they look to be starting to spend a little bit. So they're seeing two or three years coming along and they're like, well, you know, maybe some of this at least is, is here for here to stay. And that's, I think why you're seeing some, some key program increases that we're seeing this year. Absolutely. And, and that forethought, um, you know, really is why we're in this position that we're in today. And so we've sort of talked about big picture, where's our budget, where did we come from? I mean, you know, and, and what does that all mean for Medicaid? Because um, obviously that is, at least for me, that is the program I hold nearest and dearest to my heart. And so what are we seeing this year in the Medicaid budget? And what is all of sort of this budget stability mean for Medicaid here in Illinois? It, it, well, I think Medicaid's unique, Samantha, uh, in that this year is a, a really big transition year for Medicaid, as you know. Um, with the end of the public health emergency, there's a couple of things that are going to be happening that are going to have a tremendous effect on that Medicaid budget, and um, and they're kind of, they're linked. And so we're going to have to really watch and keep an eye on it. So first of all, let's let's just look at the budget itself. I mean, the governor appropriate is appropriating over 37 billion dollars all funds all funds uh to healthcare this year that's uh, um, over 30 percent of that entire all funds budget is going to to, to fund health care but as we said it's a massive transitional year the, the two things that are going to have a, an effect and we we have to kind of watch and see what that effect is in the end of the day is the loss of the additional f map which is an additional 6.2%. Uh, and if you think about that on that nearly $40 billion budget, you know, that extra money accounts for about $2 billion in extra revenue coming into the state. So how is that going to have an effect going forward? Not just on the healthcare, but on the budget generally. Now that will phase down, as you know. Um, so it's not going to be like a, a getting thrown into a, a pool of cold water, but the, the governor's office and, and the budget makers are going to have to account for that. The other thing is the big redetermination process that's going to happen. And, you know, since the beginning of the public health emergency, nobody has lost Medicaid coverage. Uh, um, that's going to stop. And if, again, not all at once, they're going to phase it in over time. But, you know, for the first time uh, in, you know, nearly three years, um, we're going to have to check eligibilities for the people that are on the program. And, you know, nationally, it's, it's estimated that about 17% uh, of those people that are on Medicaid today will not be on Medicaid once the redetermination process has, has gone through. And, you know, if that 17% hits to Illinois, uh, you know, we're looking at 700 some thousand members that are going to lose health care coverage in the state. Now, that's obviously would have a budget positive effect. I mean, because it's without as many members, not as many capitation, monthly capitation payments are, are being made. Um, but what's interesting about those 700,000, if you read, you've got, you know, there's two kind of pots of pools of people people that are going to lose their coverage. There's those that are going to lose their coverage because they're no longer eligible. But then there's going to be this group of individuals that are going to lose their coverage just because of some administrative reason. They don't check the box. They don't, you know, uh, fill out the proper paperwork. Um, you know, uh, again, if you look at nationally, uh, 
when when they're looking at this, they think about 55% of the people losing coverage will be due to eligibility, and about 45% would be due to administrative loss. Um, we know that the administration is uh, only predicting about half of that 700,000 is going to lose their coverage. And and you may know this better than me. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I think that's a low number um, compared to what could happen. So, um, but, th but that's going to have an effect. Um, is, in terms of how that's going to affect the Medicaid budget, I think you're seeing some very cautious numbers on the healthcare space. Um, you know, you're seeing one is, uh, you know, there are a, a lot of groups out there that are asking for a rate increase, as always, you know, um, and, and rightly so. We still have some very low Medicaid rates in this state. But the governor has said, okay, I'm going to provide you $100 million for rate increases, but he doesn't really specify where those rate increases are going to be. And as you know, I mean, there are some groups out there that are asking for over double that in and of themselves, but it appears they're reluctant to kind of drive money into those kind of base rates. Um, one thing they are doing is, and, and rightly so, is they're funding this Healthcare Works Illinois uh, in the Medicaid program, but they're funding that through the clawback uh, on the MCOs themselves. Uh, so as, as everybody knows, um, the MCOs are, are capped at the amount of profit that they can make. Obviously during COVID, uh, when most um, non-emergency services uh, were not being done, uh, people weren't going to the doctors and to the hospitals. So, you know, as a result, uh, the capitations kind of exceeded more than what what needed to be. And so now there's going to be this, this repayment uh, to the state from the MCOs as the law provides. Uh, it looks like the state is going to take that money, $450 million, and drive it into uh, kind of this program to uh, increase the number of healthcare workers that there are out there, which is which is a good thing because uh, we have a, a shortage in a lot of areas in the, in the healthcare field. And, you know, we had talked earlier, it's really kind of a good thing because it's it's not driving money into the base. Uh, it's addressing a real problem that is out there, and it's a it's gonna you know help the entire healthcare industry, not just a single sector. So you know um, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch um, as as uh, as the as the program transitions. Uh, you know the, the 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 number of people eligible are going to get smaller. The number of federal money coming in is going to be less. Um, and as we try to uh, at least address some of the systemic issues in the problem, like uh, providing more healthcare workers. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, you really laid out everything that the Medicaid program is facing, sort of the good and the, the challenging um, in the next year. And just the reality and recognition that from a budget perspective, it could really swing either way. Um, and because of that, again, everybody has a real conservative approach, not wanting to drive up base spending too much because there are a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, to your point about the 384,000 members, you know, assuming that's the membership that we're gonna lose, you know, I think what the governor's office did 
was, you know, they, they, they're also investing, um, I want to say 8 million or so in, I'm going to call it navigator like programs, making sure that people who are eligible for Medicaid don't lose um, eligibility simply because of paperwork. And so they're sort of hoping within their budget that that program is really going to work and that we're really only going to lose members on the Medicaid program who just aren't eligible. And everybody recognizes and agrees if you're not eligible for Medicaid, it is meant to be a healthcare safety net. It's meant to serve those um, that it's income based. So we do want to make sure that we are transitioning people who aren't eligible for Medicaid over to healthcare coverage that they are eligible for. And the federal government has done amazing things um, and loosened up some restrictions to make sure that we can really do warm handoffs so that if you lose Medicaid coverage, it doesn't mean you lose healthcare coverage. We'll just transition you over to the marketplace or or help you um, you know, receive healthcare coverage in a different way. So that part, you know, I think is just is the optimistic part of the budget that we're going to be really successful in making sure people don't lose coverage just due to paperwork. And I I hope that they're right um, because you know the real human frustration and pain that would be caused um, due to losing coverage due to paperwork. You know is could be substantial. Um, and not just in Illinois. I mean, this is happening nationwide. There's there's this risk everywhere. So, and, and Illinois is stepping up and trying to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have this navigator program. You know, all the Medicaid health plans are greatly committed to getting this right. We're going to work um, in every way that we can. We're going to work with our community-based partners. We're going to work with our members. Plans already have amazing resources out there already for Medicaid members frequently asked questions, um, documents, you know, that we're already sort of trying to gear up. But again, none of that starts until April, end of April. And I do think we're going to learn some as we go. And like the Medicaid budget is always sort of iterative. We'll see some tweaks here and there. I think we're going to see some tweaks on the redetermination side and sort of the practices that we engage in. Um, I also think to your point, John, the workforce development, I think this is great we hear about workforce every day, I swear, um, and we see it really in healthcare quite a bit. Um, challenges, there's just been burnout. I mean, the healthcare industry has really been just, you know, tons of pressure over the last few years. And so using these, you know, limited time resources um, to invest in systematic challenges in a broad fashion that is going to help all of healthcare. It's going to help the entire Medicaid program, but it's really going to help all of healthcare because we're going to have more providers, um, you know, better training, um, hopefully some less burnout. And so I'm really excited. You know, IMHIP has made some recommendations on some ideas around, you know, student loan forgiveness for social workers and qualified mental health professionals who serve the Medicaid population? Um, you know, do we look at funding additional residencies, um, uh, spots at our amazing academic medical centers? There's a lot of work that we can do. And $450 million, that's a lot for workforce development in the healthcare space. We even have that, that kind of amount um, in in a while to invest. So I'm really excited about what we'll see there. Um, and then of course, rate increases. Everybody's asking for rate increases. 
Um, you know, my back of the envelope math is we're probably over $2 billion of rate increase requests out there. And the governor's office has come out and said, we'll spend $100 million on rate increases. So that'll be, I think, in the next few months where a lot of the discussion will be, um, in my opinion. No, I, I, I agree. And, um, you know, in, 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 as we, we both alluded to, I think it's this transition. I mean, this is literally, this is a big transition year for the Medicaid program. And um, as we're coming out of the public health emergency, and I, I, I just think that there's a, 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 a need, well, I, I think they believe that there's a need to let's see how this all works its way out before we start committing to, um, you know, pretty substantial base spending increases. Well, at least that, I hope that's why, because, <laughs> you know, a lot of these rate increases are long overdue, uh, as, as, as we know. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still the budgetary restraints that, that will always plague us. Exactly. Exactly. Well, John, I think you and I could talk about this for hours. Um, I don't know if everyone else would be as interested in it as the two of us, but we could. Um, I hope that you'll come back and update us, you know, a little later in session as we know more um, and have a better picture of where revenues are coming in and what we can anticipate um, in the next fiscal year. Uh, you, you know I will. Thank you so much, John. And to our listeners, to learn more about what IMIP is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.org. And of course, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the Sam and Sam Says. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.